Good morning, everyone. Amen. Our first reading um, would be fulfilled uh, by uh, the account in Jesus' life found in Mark's gospel proclaimed to you this morning. St. Paul, uh, uh, I'd rather just skip over him today because <laughs> he's posing, uh, in the end, what he's asking, he's saying everybody has to make Christ a priority. The way he goes about it is kind of different. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have done it that way, <laughs> but uh, he's the saint and he knows what he's talking about. Uh, but, he, you know, it's proper, but uh, it's hard to explain sometimes. Friends, um, I would like to set you up with uh, uh, the, what's happening today in the gospel. In 587 B.C., the temple of Jerusalem would fall. The temple was considered the premier place of worship and uh, of God. And um, there were 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, the northern tribes were 10. They were the ones who worshipped in the temple. And when it was destroyed, eventually their faith also. Uh, and they began to worship uh, whatever, I think it was uh, the Assyrians, uh, who would eventually... Uh, be the government and take over, and they would, the Syrians had many gods. The two remaining tribes uh, would uh, learn from the mistakes of the ten tribes um, that were lost, and Jesus said, I've come to find the lost sheep or the lost tribes. The two remaining tribes, uh, they established what was known as synagogue, and um, synagogues uh, from at least from the Christian perspective, um, they were places of teaching, not school, but uh, they were different from the temple. And um, in there, there would be teachings, and there would be the reading of the Torah uh, and an explanation. And because it was not temple, and because of the way the governments were of that time, that uh, my understanding, as I remember it, they didn't have resident rabbis. Like uh, in this case, the resident. Rabbi, here is me. I'm your pastor. But they didn't. But anyone who had, a, had the ability to interpret and understand could come, and this is what's happening on the event that's we're being proclaimed. Jesus enters into the synagogue, and he begins to teach. We have to read more Mark's gospel to get the wider perspective of everything that's happening in this passage. Um, First, my friends, I have to tell you that it was unlikely that the man who is possessed by the unclean spirit in the synagogue had not previously been in contact with the Pharisees and scribes or the exorcists of the synagogue. And as we can assume, they failed. They did not have authority. My friends, uh, last night I gave a homily and I told folks today I would talk a little bit about uh, exorcism, but I'm going to be very careful about it because usually when I speak about it, I get a flurry of calls, <laughs> um, and that's a problem <laughs> for me. Um, but um, last night, uh, I wondered about how the man felt, the man who's in the synagogue, uh, because uh, this event is very strange because he would not be permitted to come into the synagogue because he was unclean, the thing that was in him. But um, I wonder how he felt after failed attempts by his religious leaders uh, to rid him of this unclean spirit. And we can only imagine what this man's life was like. 
to have this unclean spirit harassing him, trying to destroy him and anything that was dear to him. And my friends, um, uh, perhaps uh, the man tried on his own to fight it off uh, with no success. And uh, very clearly, uh, remember in Jesus' time, um, when you were sick, they attributed it to a demon, uh, to an unclean spirit. Uh, but in Mark's gospel, he's very clear about when that's happening and when he's talking about an unclean spirit. And in this case, he's talking about an unclean spirit. He's not talking about leprosy. And, um, and I wonder, um, each day, the man would pray that this thing would leave him and that he would have peace again. But with each passing day, nothing changed for him. This unclean spirit's ability was too much for him and continued to wreak havoc in his life. And then one day, however it happened, he's able to get into the synagogue and he encounters this Jesus of Nazareth, a man who uh, did not just offer words or ideas, or theories about things, but spoke from the heart and spoke with an authority that had never been seen before. He spoke with the very voice of God and thus had grace and power to set free. I imagine Jesus gazes upon the man and dresses the unclean spirit very quietly in the movie that plays in my head, Jesus doesn't yell. He just says, shh, come out and go your way. And finally, the man is free. My friends, I don't demonize things that is to make light of uh, this mysterious area that we understand as exorcism and possession. But uh, in our time, um, we use words. Uh, I've heard people say, well, uh, I have a demon of alcoholism, and I have a demon. That's fine. Okay. And uh, so there are forces that are unclean that could be in one's life, forces of darkness, not only outside, but uh, that are within us and that would attempt to take control. Folks at the time, I think, uh, thought they had all the right ideas. Well, if I just maybe study a little bit more uh, in our time, and maybe I should ask Alexa what to do. Um, more information would be helpful. And then uh, they somehow think themselves into what they feel is spiritual freedom, uh, when in actually what they really need is God. What they really need is his love, his power, his grace. And my friends, so many intellectuals of our time, particularly around science and technology, and those are wonderful things, and uh, they can amass great knowledge. But vast knowledge does not possess real power. And uh, certainly, uh, from my perspective as a priest, science and technology is not God nor are they little gods. They are simply knowledge and not necessarily wisdom. Those are different things. 
there are dark forces that can control or take control over one's life. Uh, but uh, they are not uh, classically known as Satan or a demon. But what we would understand is hatred and greed and uncontrolled jealousy and uncontained lust of every kind. These are powers that would like to destroy your life, to wreak havoc in it, to steal hope from you, to rob you of freedom and the very purpose for which God uh, has created us. And, in all truth, behind it lurks the evil one. Although, um, again, I do not demonize all things, for to do so is to lose culpability. You say, well, remember the long time ago, kids won't remember this, but there was this funny saying back in the 70s and 80s, the devil made me do it. <laughs> uh, uh, well, to say that means that I don't have any culpability. It's all his fault. Where do we hear that argument? In the Garden of Eden. The devil told me to take that apple. And then Adam, well, she told me to do this. And then she says, well, he told me to do it. He who? The snake. You see, it's a losing uh, argument. And although I do not demonize all things, we must understand who often is behind such things. Sometimes one can feel that they are at the mercy of these things. But then one day light begins to shine on this darkness and dispels it. That is what the power of Jesus Christ is like in our lives when we allow it. Those dark things those powers that seem to defeat us recede before the, reason, the risen Christ. Jesus can do for us what he did for that man in that synagogue in Capernaum on that afternoon. Jesus spoke with absolute authority behind his words. He spoke with the authority of God, for he is God. And he spoke, and the unclean spirit obeyed. Today, people want freedom from all kinds of things that uh, take possession of their life and control it. And so often they turn to the very wrong things, drugs, all these type of things. But uh, there are other things people, uh, um, they... Uh, return to these old ways of superstitions and good luck charms and psychics and witchery of all sorts. As your pastor, I tell you, uh, this is a mistake. You should avoid such things, uh, even in jest, because what starts as humor can turn deadly serious. Jesus comes into our world to liberate us from all the forces of evil, the ones outside of us and the ones that dwell within the human heart so that we can live in freedom, so that we can live in the dignity that belongs to children of God. So Christians must avoid everything that dilutes and divides or weakens one's faith, one's trust in Jesus. So my friends, whatever forces one battles, 
know that there is one who is stronger uh, than all those things. So many things promise in this world options to liberate, but just that end up making one a slave or an addict to it. The power and authority of Jesus Christ is the only power that does not dominate, but in reality liberates and sets free. That afternoon in that synagogue in Capernaum, Jesus did what no other human person could do. He freed the man. The very thing that he came to do, to free from the oppression of all that would be dark, from sin, that you would have that freedom to walk as children of God. In this is our Christian hope. Whatever dark, unclean force may be in one's life, demons from the past, a demon of the present, what Jesus did for that man in that synagogue, he will do for you when you invite him in. Recognize the one who has the power to cast out, who seeks to enter into, then, our lives, that he may make us faithful and whole. Friends, regarding exorcism, it is a rite within the church. It is very ancient. All bishops are exorcists. They have the fullness of the priesthood. Priests and deacons are not exorcists. They do not have the right to perform exorcism. They must have the authority of a bishop given to them to do this. And it is uh, no easy matter either. And uh, while um, uh, the church recognizes the ability um, we give God glory that less and less uh, true possession happens. Yes, we understand mental illness. We understand pathologies and that. Uh, but uh, I often tell people just because someone uh, has emotional issues does not mean that they are not being oppressed by a demon. And so the church takes into everything into account and moves slowly towards that. In our archdiocese, we do have a, an appointed exorcist, and he has a team of people. But uh, there are certain requirements that must be met uh, before they'll even begin to speak uh, to the person. Uh, and uh, um, so be it. But uh, my friends, um, it begins with um, <clears throat> simple things. Um, oftentimes, I, I know I've told you, my classmate uh, is the exorcist for his diocese. So um, him and I talk, and sometimes he tells me things I'd rather not hear about. Uh, but I also can use him as a sounding board when I'm not sure about something. And uh, I've always asked him, what happens? And he said, well, we do not understand everything. He said, usually the person invites the thing in by their behavior, by the way they think. And he said, often, it's hatred. It's like sweet-smelling roses to demons. So he said, it would be good to rid yourself of that. So I said, what would be a beginning thing then? Uh, and he said, you know what? 
he said, if someone comes to you and feels, uh, there's levels. There's oppression, um, obsession, possession. He said, what they don't like is good. They can't stand it. It's a repellent to them. He said, tell them to begin to do good in their lives. Go and help somebody. Stop gossiping about people. And it began to think, just simple things that wouldn't even have crossed my mind. Uh, but he said, these become uh, repellents and keeps these things away. He said, on the other hand, the other things draw them near. Adultery, breaking of the commandments, hatred. He said, they draw in. So, you know, of course, Father Mark, you know, I don't hate no more. I don't hate no more. <laughs> because as it is, um, uh, these dark forces cannot stand the ordained. Why? Because the ordained fulfills something that Jesus promised. His very body, blood, soul, and divinity. Which has great power. Absolute authority. So, of course, they would want our destruction. And yours. But the exorcist said, you know what they really want? They want to steal your hope. Something that they do not have. It began to make much sense to me. So I'm sharing that with you. But I'm being very careful because what I don't want is a, a constellation of calls <laughs> coming in um, about exorcisms and Father, can you come to my house and exercise? No, no, I can't. I can't. I won't leave you alone. I've given you uh, one form, one recipe. My friends, uh, the purpose of Mark's account isn't uh, to show that Jesus is a miracle worker. It was to tell you who he is, the Holy One of God. All of Mark's gospel is that. As a matter of fact, when we look at Mark's gospel, and Jesus has encounters with unclean spirits. They know who he is. They obey him. They don't love him. They don't adore him. They can't stand him. But they obey him. The people of that day in the synagogue should have recognized only God has the ability to throw out a demon. Only God has the ability to cure in that sense. The demon screams and yells and Jesus remains calm and just says, Shh, come out, go your way. There's a lesson uh, to be learned. Even the demons who cannot stand him obey him. What about us who say we love him but do not obey him? There's another lesson about God when we see Jesus act. Jesus had the ability to destroy, but he did not. He simply called out and go. A tough lesson for us when we desire blood revenge 
to those who persecute and try to destroy us. God's mercy and justice. He simply sends the thing on its way. It was not the time. We should learn the same to see how Jesus acts. So I ask all of you, do you know who he is? Jesus of Nazareth. Testify by the unclean spirit. We know who you are, Holy One of God. They obeyed, left. They do not adore him. They do not love him. They have no faith in him, but they know who he is. Do you know who he is? And if you know who he is, are you willing to follow him wherever he may go? This Jesus of Nazareth. Will you surrender your life to him that he may raise it for you? Will you obey him? Will you love him? Will you adore him, this Holy One of God? To do so is to gain heaven. Begin to do good. Rid yourself of revenge, of hatred, of things that are dark. Move away from that, and they will move away from you. Have faith. Jesus said, just faith the size of a mustard seed you would be able to do. Yes, no, he didn't mean actually move a mountain. That seems like an impossibility. But Jesus' point was, have faith even a little, and those things that seem impossible become possible for the believer. Amen?